0: to dive right on into this thing because we're still talking about prayer. How many of you have been uh, are, are, are learning some things? I know we only had one message and prayer is a huge subject. So as a matter of fact, we're going to be on this subject for probably five or six weeks. You know, every time I start preparing, uh, I just keep seeing that more and more and more and more that need to be added to this. So uh, hang in there, stick in there and, and, and listen, Everybody is at different levels when it comes to prayer. Some people are up here, and they're very spiritually mature, and they know a lot. And then some people are new believers, and they know nothing about prayer. But the simple truth is, is that all of us, if we look at our own lives, if we really look at it, we can see and humble ourselves, we can see that we can learn, and we can adjust. Because none of us are receiving every answer to every prayer that we put out there, right? And no, no. We're not, you know. And if you, I hope that my heart is that you do see your prayer answer, prayers answered, and that's why we're teaching on this, right? Because we want prayer warriors at Compass Church. We want you to understand the importance of prayer, and we're going to be breaking all this down, you know. Because if you if you Understand what's happening, what God is doing, what, what the sacrifice of Jesus paid for, what the covenant rights that you have as a result of the covenant that God cut with us that was signed into effect by the blood that Jesus shed. When you understand all of these things, when you pray, it changes your whole dynamic, right? Because yeah. a lot of people are walking this earth and they're praying wrongly. You know, and I'm not trying to criticize anybody. I did this for a long time before I dove into the word, rightly divided the word with correct counsel, and I saw some things. And the Holy Spirit gave me revelation. So we're getting into that. We're talking, and, you know, you know, Paul talked about it. We talk, you know, I touched on this last week in Romans 8:26 when he says that our weakness is that we don't know how to pray, as we ought to. It's interesting that he put that in there. He said, you ought to know, guys. He's like, you, you should be spiritually mature enough to know what to pray, but you don't. And so, but this is, a, this is there's, there's, there's so many different dynamics of what people think prayer is. And essentially all prayer is, is pr- prayer is a way for us to communicate with God, to fellowship with God. And, and it's, it's a time for us to come together with him. And it's a time for us to pray out his will yes. on the earth. That's what prayer is. When you pray out for leading him to lead you or him to move on your life, to protect you, to provide for you. Remember, he created you with a purpose and your purpose is his will for your life. And when you pray in that out, come on, then you're praying out God's will on the earth. And if if every person was praying every day as they should and praying out the will of God for their life, we would all be praying out God's will on the earth. Because, you know, we, and we talked about last week that you can clearly see in this earth that God's will is not being done, right? You look at all of the destruction, all of the wars, all of the tragedies and all of this. That's not God's will, right? And we talked about that. And I'm going to tell you, God showed me something last night. You know, Michelle and I were, um, we had a strange desire last night. And I will say, she, she started this. I'm going to blame her. Alright. How many ever have a desire for just a greasy cheeseburger? Right? Come on, don't look at me so holy. I know we're all we are perfection and we eat only I only, only eat the you know, I put wheat germ on everything that I eat and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Tony's like, Me okay, all right, well she had a desire. well, we had a desire for a cheeseburger. Just a greasy, nasty cheeseburger and some McDonald's fries, you know, and that there's no greater place. To get that, and I, to get the nasty burger, is to go to McDonald's, you know. So, you know, I always come to the church and I, you know, I spend a couple of hours here and I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm spending time with God. I'm going over my message and I'm really listening for direction with the Holy Spirit if I need to, to shift anything to talk about things or just, you know, just want to hear from God. You know, that's important, right? Because, uh, uh, but anyway, so I told her, I said, I'll go get us a burger when I get done, So I go to McDonald's and, you know, I'm not trying to knock McDonald's, but if the owner of McDonald's is listening to this, they need to know this because when I got there, I think that was the most horrible experience I've ever had in my life. And I've been to a lot of restaurants because I walked in and there's a line around the door, around the building and I I go in and I thought, well, okay, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to go in here. It's raining. You know, it's, fr- it's Saturday night. Nobody wants to be here, so I go in to get my food, and I stand there. There's eleven employees inside the inside the restaurant. Five of them are sitting out in the dining room, and they're having conversations and very foul language is all over the place. And I'm the only one in there. Doesn't matter, but I'm the only one in there. Very foul language going from the dining room back to the kitchen area, and I'm standing there. And after about three minutes, nobody has recognize that I'm there. And then finally, they see me, but they never acknowledge that I'm there. And finally, this lady goes, is hollering back to another lady, hey, you need to come take this order on the front And then all I hear is, I'm not coming up there. If they want food, they can go through the drive-through. All right, so my blood starts to boil. You know how the flesh will do that, you know? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look so holy, you know? So, but I, but I'm still, I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle this correctly because we're teaching on prayer, right? <laughs> and if I can't, if I can't live what I preach, then something's wrong. So, I'm just patiently waiting, and finally, this lady feels sorry for me. She comes to take my order. She didn't even really know what she was doing. I was kind of helping her on the register. That's how bad it was. Long story short, it took me. 20 minutes to get out of there with two quarter pounder cheese combos and drinks. And I I couldn't even get the drink I wanted. I asked him, I said, do you have sweet tea? No, we didn't think anybody was going to be here tonight because of the weather, so we didn't put sweet tea out. I'm like, what? All right, so, but anyway, pitiful experience, All right? Very terrible. And I got back in the car and I was really frustrated. You know, when I get frustrated, I vent to God, as most people do, right? But you got to vent to him correctly, Okay. And I vent to him, blaming him or things, but I'm just like, can you believe what I just went through? You know, you know, I'm talking to him, and I'm going on and I'm on, and I was like, going to be all holy, and I said, oh God, just forgive them for they know not what they do, you know, and all of this, and then God's, <laughs> you know, God's smart, and, and how, it's funny how he'll yank your chain, you know, and he and, and he and he said, and he said, what are you teaching them tomorrow? And, and, and I said, pray, you know, we're preaching on prayer. God, you know what I'm preaching on? He said, why don't you practice what you preach? And I said, whoa, wait a minute. What, you turning this back on me? Don't you know who? No. I'm like, what? And so I said, and he said, you should pray before you go in to the restaurant so I can work on your behalf. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And I said, you're right. You're right, Father. You're right. You know, we talked about last week how God is limited in this earth to our prayers. He can only work as if we pray. And too many people are living this earth and they walk around only thinking that prayer is needed to pray defensively. In other words, when when the world is throwing things at them, that's when you pray. That's when you go to God. That's when you go, God, I need you to fix this. You're my little little handyman ATM. I need you to take care of this, right? And that yes, we do need to do that when we in a defensive situation. But God says we need to learn to start to pray offensively. Amen. Pray ahead of time. How many many of you uh, start your day off by praying things out correctly? In other words, you get up and you start praying the word over your life before you even leave the house. I'm going to have the blessed and I'm going to have a highly favored day. Glory to God. I know Lourdes does this. She's got a regular one she does every day. I'm going to walk in your blessing. Your hand's going to be there for me. The ministering spirits, which are angels, are going to go forth and clear my path. Glory to God. And I'm going to walk in your goodness as I walk out this day, right? But that's what God, that's what we got to learn to do. Yes. And that's just one prayer. And we will get into more of that uh, uh, as we go on into this, into this message. But this kind of leads into to what I want to talk about today is, is um, you know, we got to learn to pray offensively. Your prayer isn't just a time that we cry out to God when we, when we need something fixed, or we need something from, think about it, if you're in a relationship and you're married and the only time that person ever gives you affection or ever even talks to you is when they want something of you, that's going to mess up the relationship, isn't it? Right? I mean, think about it. God created us for what? Fellowship. He created us with a relation, for a relationship with him. That means that the things that God wants, we should want. The things that God desires, we should desire. The, the, the things that, 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 you know, we should love God to the point that we don't want to do anything to hurt Him. And, and that we love Him so much. Because you've got to go wrap your mind around what He did for us. Remember, He gave us eternity in heaven as a result of sending His Son to die for us. Right? And, and, and see, we should desire that so much. And then in return, God says, within this relationship, it's a two-way street. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart because I love you. And, that, and the fact that we, we all say that God loves us, but we cannot wrap our mind. We can't even fathom, or there's not even words to say how much God actually loves us. Right? And so, you know, it, it's a two-way street. It's A relationship. A relationship. Amen. Glory to God. And, you know, that means that I am nowhere on my notes today, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit's taking us down this path and that's okay. We, we got to follow what the Holy Spirit wants because somebody needs this, yes. right? Somebody needs it, Amen. right? But there's, listen, we live in a world today where there's a lot, where God's will is not being done and it's not being done because people are not praying. God is limited to our prayers to work in this earth, right? And, it, and, and we talked about that last week. And if, you, and if you, you know, go back and listen to that podcast, because I'm not going to dive back into all of that. But I do want to touch on some of the things that we did talk about. And I want to go back to Matthew 6, to the Lord's Prayer. And God put this on my heart this morning, because I, I got a lot of people, you know, Jesus is telling us here how to pray, Okay. He's telling us how to pray right here. And a lot of people, even unbelievers, know this prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer. But how many of you know, you, you don't just take those one few verses, latch on to that, and think you understand it. You've got to, to rightly divide the word. You've got to read the entire chapter. You've got to understand what it was Jesus was telling us right here, all right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit these high spots to make sure everyone gets this. You need to understand it. He's telling us how we need to pray. And he starts in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, this is Jesus talking right now, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by man. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. All right, so we stopped right there, and we pointed out the first thing that Jesus, t- and he's telling us what not to do first. And, and, this is, it, and so many people fall into this they do this. Don't pray like the hypocrites do. What does he say? God wants us re- desiring a relationship with you. And in that relationship, he just wants you to, re- he just wants you to be real with him just talk to him don't feel like you got to get on a street corner don't feel like you got to pray like me or don't pr- feel like you got to pray like your wife or your husband just be you who god created you and be genuine and just communicate with him talk with him don't and do not do it and pray so that you can bring glory to yourself Or bring attention to yourself. You know, a lot of people like to do their prayers certain ways, and they like to get excited and loud and that. And and that's listen. If that works for them, that's fine. But I don't care how loud you scream, God still hears your prayers, right? But a lot of times, people do that to draw attention to themselves. Is what he's saying right here. And what he's saying is, you need to you need to learn to just be real with God. It goes on in verse 6 and says, When you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And then he goes on, And, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Vain repetitions, and once again, this is something he's saying, do not do. Do not just repeat stuff. In other words, don't try to just get a, uh, don't try to repeat what I'm repeating. Don't try to repeat what anybody else is repeating or your, your internet person you're listening to. Just don't do all of that. Don't just repeat things over and over and call it prayer. Because prayer is not, it's, it's more than just shouting words out into the air and hoping God will have compassion on you and move on your behalf and take care of a situation for you. But see, that's what a lot of people think it is. Do not do that. Jesus says, don't do that, right? And then he goes on in uh, verse eight. It says, therefore, do not be like them for your father knows the things you have before you ask him. And what he's saying right there is don't be like the hypocrites and go to him in prayer by telling him everything you need. When you pray, you're not informing God. And I see this many, many times. People will spend 20 minutes of their prayer time crying, wailing, wallering, listing their long list of what they're going through. How I many you know God knows what you're going through? Right? Hebrews says that we're to come to the throne of grace boldly, boldly boldly. If you're going to come to him boldly, that means you're going to come confidently. Confident in what? You're going to come in there full of faith, full of trust in him. And you're going to be able to communicate with him because of the relationship that you two have. Amen. Amen. So you're, so you're not, don't, don't spend all of that time just crying out. And I'm going to, I'm going to drive this home. Prayer is not screaming, hollering, crying, and wailing, and all of this, hoping God will move with compassion because he sees your pain. Now, he may do that once or twice, right? And that's you're just receiving the favor of God, and you're maybe receiving a miracle, glory to God. But listen, that does not move God. What moves God is faith. It's why we're called to live by faith, trusting in him, trusting that he will do what he said in his word. Glory to God. That's what moves God. Not crying, not all the screaming. He already knows what you're going through. He doesn't want to see you act that way. And he's like, why are you doing this? I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I love you. You love me. Come on, let's walk this thing out together. You don't have to do this. But yet, so many people think they do. They think that's how they're going to get God to move in their situation. Yeah. Guys, you got to remember, God loves you. Yes. John three sixteen. He wants the best for you. He wants you to succeed at what He's called you to do. All of these, He wants you to have the things so that you can accomplish what He's called you to do, because He created you for that purpose. Amen. Amen. But we have an enemy that will, does not want you to accomplish that purpose. So you can understand where the, where the problems come in right there. All right. And it goes on in, in verse 9. He says, In this manner, therefore, pray. And then go, Jesus says, This is how I want you to pray. He says, Start out, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, thy name, be your name, or holy be your name. Now, right there, you start out by with reverence. Remember who you're talking to. It's God. Right? It's God. The God Almighty. All right? And then, This is where I wanted to get to because this is where a lot of people ask questions about, and that is verse 10. It says... After you pray and you understand who you're praying to, oh, holy be your name, Father, you give him thanks. Praise for your life, praise for the air you breathe, your family. Always begin your prayers with praise, right? And then he goes in. When you do that, next thing I need you to pray for in all of your prayers, this is what Jesus says, you should pray. Before you get to your need, you better start right here. He says, I want you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is telling us that when we pray, we pray that God's will be done on the earth as it is in the heaven. Now, why would he say that? Because this goes contrary to what so many people believe, that God is in control of everything. God is causing everything to happen. Guys, God is not reigning on this earth. God only, his will isn't being done on this earth because he, he can only reign through people who are praying. And the reason he's asking us to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in the heaven is because his will is being done in heaven. Because you see, in heaven there's no pain, there's no death, there's no sorrow, there's no hunger, and there's no poverty, there's no, uh, there's no hate, there's no racism, there's no, none of these things because his will is reigning there, his will is, is perfect up there, and, that, and God is trying to establish his kingdom on the earth with man as the dominion and, and perfect authority on the earth, right? And he, the reason his will isn't being done here is because he's not reigning as king, he can only reign in king, as king in us through those that have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Guys, that's why we talk about the authority of the believer. The authority, I mean, I was, that's one of the greatest books required reading. When when, when we went through Rama. it was, it, it, and I think we still have copies back there, but man, when you know who you are in Christ and that authority, see, God, we, we, I explained this last week how God, he created the earth and he put Adam and Eve and he gave them dominion. They had that dominion, but they gave it away. They gave it to Satan when, 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 they, create, when, when they sold everything out to him and, and when they sinned against God. But when Jesus came to to cut covenant back with us, to give us the rights and the benefits that are ours, that restored us back to our rightful place with God and our rightful place in this world, which put us back into our rightful place of authority in those that believe in Jesus Christ by faith and accept him as their Lord and Savior, and God can reign and rule through them. Glory to God. And when you reach out and you pray that God's will will be done, God's will will be done. Yes. Amen. The believers, it's, 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 very powerful. See, see so many people think that, that, and I, I think they do this because it's just so easy to say, well, God's in control. God just chose this day to take your life. No, that, that's contrary to God's word. Nowhere in the word does it say God's going to kill you. Nowhere in the word does it say God's going to take your children. Nowhere in the word does it say that, that God's going to cause you poverty or going to cause you turmoil. Now that doesn't, and, wait a minute, we still go through those things, right? Yes, because this world's broken. It's a part of this broken world. And God allows those things in our lives to refine us. What's he refining us for? For ministry. In other words, he allows you to go through things because he's got great things that he wants you to do. And he needs you to get in order to do those great things, you gotta get your faith built up to here, and you may be here. And he allows you to go through those things so that you can build up your faith and your trust and your boldness in him and learn how to operate so that you can go from here to here. Glory to God. And then that once you get up here, now things get a lot easier. And some so many people think that You just don't know what I've been through. And and it's so hard. You don't know what I've been through. I had a long, many, many years of brokenness. Hated the world. Saw a lot of death and destruction with my group that I ran with. Amen. Glory to God. But thank God, I got a hold of Jesus. Amen. I got a hold of Jesus. Right? And it wasn't God's fault that all of those things happened in my life. See, evil happens in, in this world because of, we're, in the, we're in the dispensation of grace. We're in the dispensation of free will. God has given us free will to make choice on our own. You can choose him or not choose him, right? And evil happens in this world because, because Satan works through people's mind and they make choices to choose evil over choosing good. Yeah. See, that's what I did for all those years when I was living in the world, chasing drugs, chasing all that I was chasing. I was, I was making the, God wasn't making me pursue those things. I was, that was my choice, my decision. And listen, as a result of people's bad choices, come on, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Go over to God. Amen. All right. So let's keep going. Jesus is, keeps going. He keeps talking. And then verse 11, he talks. Now he gets to Jesus, or to God providing for us, give us our daily bread and and he's talked about that. And that, of course, is, that's provision for what you need to do what God has called you to do. And then he goes into talking about forgive us our debts. All right. So if you're going to do these things, then you need to make sure that you're walking in forgiveness. Do not be holding on to unforgiveness. We've talked many, many times about different places throughout the word where unforgiveness will affect your prayers. As a matter of fact, it will only work. Uh, your prayers will not work. If you're harboring unforgiveness. Amen. Glory to God. All right, so now that was just in a nutshell what Jesus was talking about there. And he says, and you, there again, you want to study this whole chapter. And he's saying, if you learn to do this, and he goes in talking about worrying and all of these things, how not to worry about all of that. And if you learn to do all of this, and in verse 33, he says, but when you seek and then you learn to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness now seeking His righteousness means that you're going to want to do what's right. Come on, guys. Let's just make it simple, right? Seeking His righteousness, and then when you do that, all of the things that you need for this life will be added to you, right? So the Lord's prayer is not just a religious prayer, and it, we the, the society has turned it into that. So many people, even unbelievers, they don't even they 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 know that are they have memorized this verse. They've just heard it so much over and over. It's become repetitive. And th- through the process of it being repetitive, we've, and people not actually understanding what it's all about, what Jesus was doing there, and the intent. He tells us what his intent was right there. And how it was teaching us how to pray. And through all of that, is, we've allowed ourselves to become desensitized to the prayer, and we don't understand what it's actually meaning or why he was giving that to us, Right? And sadly, it's because religion has got involved. Now, we talked about religion is, religion is just man's attempt to get to God. That's what it is. And, that's, of course, that's when your denominations come in. That's why we're considered a non-denominational church, which means that we teach the truth of the word. We don't add. We don't subtract. We teach the truth as it reads. Glory to God. Amen. But religion's a problem. Religion's a lot of the reasons why people think that God is in control of everything. Because it's just a simple answer. God is in control. He's given you that to teach you something. And you know, if, God, if, if, if God, cre- God did create us for a relationship, well, if, he's not, if that's the case, he's not helping his cause. Because who wants to have a relationship with somebody that's going to act that way? Who's going to kill my spouse? Who's going to take my kids to, or give me a sickness that can kill me? Who, why, who wants to serve that God? Amen. Amen. He's not helping his case. But religion has clouded so many beliefs about how people think. I mean, in Jesus, hey, He dealt with this in Mark 7.13. He says, he tells me, He says, you're making the Word of God of no effect through your traditions. Guys, that's what religion does. Religion, it implies what man says you need to do versus what the Word of God says. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're not going to find just a complete simple list. Of listen, do this, do this, do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. You've, it's all in the Word of God. Yeah. You got to learn to to study and feed on that Word and allow the Holy Spirit to give you revelation on it. Right, but but you got to remember, religion is 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 man's attempt, and what we are is we're Christians, and Christianity is a relation all about a relationship. That's what it is. It's all about a because when you have a true relationship with God, I mean. A true, it's so great. I love it. I mean, I've got, my relationship has gotten so strong with God that, that we laugh. Then you're saying, do you actually hear God laugh? No, but I know we're having a good time there. Well, maybe you're just crazy. Well, I don't care then. I'm going to walk in his goodness and you don't have to, right? Yeah. But when you develop that relationship, man, when things happen in your life, you just instantly talk to him. And that's where all of us need to learn. And when when things happen, just, oh, what do I need to do in this situation, Father? Come on, give me some insight, Holy Spirit. Show me, show me, show me, show me. Do I need to pull back? Do I need to dive in? Do I need to get away? Come on, God, lead me. You know, you got to learn it. That's what, He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to do what he says in his word, not out of a, a, a an attitude of just following a list of rules, but do it because you love him. And as a result of you loving him and desiring what he wants in the earth, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And he's going to love you. And we're going to have this two-way street. And we're going to have this great relationship. But listen, religion has gotten in society. And I'm not going to, I'm not trying to, to to talk bad about denominations. But listen, we've got these denomination lines that that are dividing the body of Christ are hurting us. We've got to get to a place where we can come together and unify and accomplish what God is wanting us to accomplish. But some people get so hung up. Well, you believe in healing. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Well, listen, that's not a doctrinal issue. You're not going to get you to heaven. We can agree to disagree. We can love one another. Come on, we got to get some people saved. Come together with me. That just means they're not going to walk in the benefits of healing in this earth, right? That's just the simple truth. But religion has. And let me just show you something else about religion, about how people believe, and how religion has, uh, uh, has, I would say, impacted their belief system on the earth. And, and you need to understand this concern in prayer, okay? And we all here heard this term, God is in control, right? God is sovereign, there's no doubt, he's sovereign. We don't question that. But what we, what we question is what, what, what it means that he's sovereign, Okay, and we'll talk about that more in just a second. But the first thing you've got to understand before we even get into that, I'm getting ahead of myself, is God is true to his word. Yeah. All right? He's true to his word. And a matter of fact, uh, uh, he's true to his word. He, bi- he is bound to his word. Okay? In other words, his word, and I'm going to show you this, his word will not return void. Some of you heard that verse. We'll read it here in just a second. In other words, his word is going to do what he sent it out to accomplish. Yeah. Isaiah fifty-five eleven, You can look there. But God is bound by his word. And he is true to his word. What does that mean? That means he's going to do what his word says. He's going to do what his word says. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be the, that go forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I send it to. Glory to God. Because that, right, that one verse should be the backbone to your prayer life. It should be the backbone. and under, When you understand God is true to his word, He can't lie, he cannot lie, and he is bound to his word, glory to God. When you find a promise in there that tells you what is yours, that tells you what you can have, that tells you what you can do, when you stand on that promise, glory to God, you can proclaim it, knowing that it will not return void, God will do what his word says that he will do. Glory to God. And if that ain't good, if that's not even good enough, Jeremiah 1.12, and I love it at, at the Amplified. I keep these on my desk. It says, the Lord says, uh, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. So guys, not only is God's word not going to return void, what he said he will do, but he's watching over it to perform, it, to see to it that it gets done. Glory to God. Just wrap your head around that for a minute the next time you pray, right? That's why we talk about standing on the Word. When you're standing on that promise, you're, no, you're not crying and you're not hollering and wailing. and I, You're standing boldly because you know, God, I'm standing on your promise because you said your word will not return void. He said, you said in your word that you will, your word will do what you sent it forth to do. Glory to God. You said that you will watch over it to perform it. And I'm standing on this promise. Glory to God. And I will be healed because your word says that for the stripe of G- Jesus bore on that cross, I am healing. Glory. Yes. yes. Because God will do what he said. Right. He'll do. Numbers twenty three, nineteen. Said God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hebrews six eighteen says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Guys, that's two big things you need to know about God. He's true to his word. He's bound by his word, true to his word, bound by his word. Right? And he cannot lie. He doesn't have the capacity to lie now. Stick with me. this is very important. He, this, this is very important. When it, when it comes to prayer, you need to understand this, so you know how to pray. You're not praying from a position of of "Help me, help me. You're praying from a position of authority. right? So and so now now let's, now let's get back to God's sovereignty, talking about God's sovereignty. He's the supreme ruler, right? Now, there's two viewpoints of God's sovereignty, the world's viewpoint and, of course, the rightly divided viewpoint from the Word of God, okay? And so you have to decide which one you're going to believe because according to the world's viewpoint of God's sovereignty is he's all in control. If he wants you sick, he's going to make you sick. If he wants you healed, he'll he'll heal you. If he wants you prosperous, he'll give you money. You know, you're going to get what you get. It's just depending on whatever mood God's in that day, you're going to get it. Guys, go back to that relationship thing and think for a minute. Who wants to serve that God? Right. How horrible that can be. Glory to God. No, glory to God. That's not That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Because he cannot lie and he will do what his word says that he will do. Glory to God. All right? As a matter of fact, according to that way of Thinking, guys, it doesn't do us any good to believe His word. It doesn't do us any good to pursue His word. It doesn't do us any good because you're going to get what you get, right? I mean, it, it, there's, a, there's even some people believe that God has already chosen those that will be chosen, those that will be saved. Then why do not we do church? Amen. I if God already has chose those, then what's the point? You know. So all these these things, you just got to think these things logically. Right and understand that's not how it works. Right, glory to God. You're not going to get what you get. You have been given authority, and you need to learn how to pray out God's will in this earth, and most importantly, praying out God's will in your life. Glory to God. That's religious thinking. That's religious thinking, and sadly, a religious relation. There, there is very little relationship in someone who is, would be considered religious. Right. And matter of fact, uh, uh, mo- those people that do consider themselves just religious, their relationship only goes to Romans ten thirteen, where it says, "Those that call on the Lord will be saved." Well, I got it. I'm saved. I'm out. I'm done. Now I'm, I'm with this. Right. The relationship stops. And then when tragedy comes and problems come in their life, they haven't been rightly dividing the word. They haven't been feeding on the word. They haven't been studying. They don't have that relationship with God. They don't understand his love. And they don't love them like he loves them. Uh, them and, and all of this, they don't have that relationship. So when bad things happen, now the only thing they know to do is to blame God. Well, God calls this not rightly dividing the word not understanding what it exactly means. Glory to God. See, when you have that intimate relationship with anybody, any of you guys that are married, you understand this. When you're close, come on, there's, there's nothing more than I love than to see the desires of my wife's heart come to pass. I love to see her happy. Happy wife, happy life. Come on, I'm just saying. You know? But I love that, you know? <laughs> but, but think about it. It's the same thing with God right? When you have that intimate relationship, you don't want to hurt him. He doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want to hurt him. Why? Because he loves you. John 3, 16. He loves you. And he wants the best for you. He wants you to accomplish what he set forth for you to do. Because, and he is a sovereign God. Watch this. That's very important. What does that mean, that he's a sovereign God? When we say he's a sovereign God, what does it mean? It simply means that God only does things in this earth and as long as it aligns uh, up according to his word. That's exactly what it means. God is, In other words, God cannot sovereignly do anything outside the boundaries of his word. He has bound himself to his word. And, and, and when you understand the covenant concept... And the legal uh, benefits that come as a result of a covenant, you understand. He is bound by his word right there. Glory to God. And he bound himself to that word. Because listen, he cannot lie. He doesn't have the capacity to lie. So if he cannot lie, he cannot be dishonest. And listen, if God cannot be dishonest, guys, he cannot fail to keep his word. Can't do it. He can't do it. He can't be dishonest. He's a just God. He made glory to God. So what does that mean? That means that just as we trust in Romans 10, 13 for salvation, those that cry on the Lord, they're saved. Just as we get all excited about that, oh, I have an eternity in heaven, glory to God. Woo, I'm excited, yes, and that's great, and that's fantastic. We want to get those people there. But that excitement should never drop. There's just the same way that you trust in that. You can trust in 1 Peter two twenty four. It says, by Jesus stripes you're healed. Yeah. When that sickness comes on your body, don't just take it and accept it and make it a pet. Name it. No, you step bold. You come boldly to the throne of grace and you say, God, this is not your will. Glory to God. This sickness is trying to come on my body, but it's contrary to your word. You are... You are set in your word, and you are bound by your word. Now, you don't do it arrogantly. I would strongly disagree. I would encourage you not to do that. You do it out of a heart of love and a heart of, of talking to one another to your heavenly Father. You. Right. He knows the authority you have. He just wants you to operate yeah. in that authority. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Glory to God. And listen. God's sovereignty just means that he's, will do, he's a sovereign God. That means he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That means that when he said it, that means that what he said will accomplish what he, uh, he, he sent it to do. It's not going to return void. Come on. And he's going to watch over it to see that it gets done. And why does he do all of that? Because of our relationship. Because he loves us, guys. He, and listen, when you wrap your mind around that, it gives you a whole new perspective when you pray. You pray from a position of authority. You take authority over the, de- the enemy, the devil. You take a, a authority. When you find that promise in his word and you stand on that promise, guys, you, you don't back down. You take, you, you're, you're not begging God to do something. Have compassion on me and help me. No, you understand your covenant rights. See, that covenant is everything. The promises are ours because of the blood that Jesus shed, and the blood that Jesus shed signed into effect the covenant that we have with God, it's ours. And you've got to understand something, and this is something that a lot of people, they don't even know what a covenant is. I mean, the closest thing that we have to a covenant, which it should be a, a special thing, is a marriage covenant. When, when you enter into marriage, you, you, uh, you, you, you're, you're coming into a covenant with that person. That's your covenant. Now just look at what the world says a marriage is. Now, it's all kind of different things. You know, there's not much significance on that covenant. But we've got to learn to remind ourselves of that covenant, guys. You've got to know who you are in Christ, what's yours as a result of the of the price that Jesus paid on that cross. Why we talk about it all the time. There's power in the blood, there's power in that name. What did the blood pay for? Yeah. It was not just salvation, oh. it was to restore us from the curse of this land and put us back in our rightful standing. With our Heavenly Father. Glory. Guys, you got to, you know, when I was studying this, go with me to Genesis. I couldn't help but think about Abraham. I think I touched on this last week. But Abraham knew his covenant. And I'm going to tell you, as a matter of fact, when when I studied this out, there's so many in the um, Old Testament that knew their covenant. Starting in verse 23. And right here, you know, God's about to do away with Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, Genesis 18, I'm sorry. Starting in verse 23. God's about to, he's had it. He's, you know, he's, he's looking at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and he's like, you know what? We got to do away with this, blah, blah, blah. But he had just cut covenant with Abraham, all right? And that was, that, that meant something. That was very significant. And Abraham understood what that meant. And so it goes up, it goes, starting in Verse 23. He says, the other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. I thought it was kind of interesting that the Lord's just hanging out with Abraham there. You know, it's really cool, right? In verse 23, Abraham approached him and said, You will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked. Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. You will still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes. Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same, surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? All right. So what, what, what's happening right here is Abraham and God, and they had just cut covenant. And as a result of that covenant, uh, Abraham had, he knew that he had benefits. He had rights. He had legally, he had things that, that, that uh, he had a right standing with God now, right? And, and, and God put him in a, in a place of, I'd say a special place, right? He had legal standing with God. And that was why he was he confident enough to step up to God and to intercede on their behalf. To, 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 to be able to talk to him in a way that, hey, don't do that. Let's, let's talk this thing out, right? He was interceding for them, right? And all of that was because he took his place in his covenant, he knew the covenant, he knew how important it was, and he stood in it. And guys, this just goes on and on. And there's a lot of people in the Old time When Joshua, remember, most of you know the story. When he took his place in the covenant, God, he parted the waters of the Jordan, and not only that, he made the sun and moon stand still. Why? Because of the covenant. He did that because Joshua knew his covenant, and he stood in it, right? Elijah, he stood in the covenant. He stood, took his place, and he and he cried out to God, and and God sent fire down, and it burned up the burned up the bull and the, the calf, and, and he did all of that to show the people around that it, God was real. Why? Because Elijah knew his place in the covenant, and it just you just keep going, David. The men and all his, his, his men in the army, they were protected in war. Those mighty men, warriors, that were drastically outnumbered. They were crazy, insane outnumbered. But they did not die and they were protected because they reminded God of the covenant. They remembered that covenant. Guys, that covenant, is, God answered all of those prayers because of their covenant rights. Now, aren't you glad We have a covenant with God. But you know, Hebrews 8, 6 tells us that we have a better covenant established on better promises. Now let that one sink in for a minute. If we have a better covenant than they did, you know what that means? That means we should be able to do what they did, but More. glory to God. When you're coming to God in prayer and you need him to move in your life, in your situation, do it boldly and confidently and out of the right heart. Glory to God, but expect by faith that he will do what he said. Remind him of the covenant. Remind him of what he said in his word. Glory to God, and he'll move. He will move. You know, people always say, what are you talking about? Remind God of his word. Isaiah 43, 26, remind him of his word. And this is one, a lot of people, uh, um, you know, Isaiah was amazing. And this was actually a challenge given to the Israelites there, but, but, the, uh, but he was actually, this. when you study this out, he was prophesying into our times right here. And he says, put me in remembrance, let us plead together, Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So, what he's saying there is God saying, "Put me in remembrance." What does it mean to put God in remembrance? It means that you, as a covenant believer, can stand before the throne of God. And when you pray, you can remind him of what he says in his word, glory to God. And you can plead your case because of the legal rights that you have, as a cause of the covenant that was signed in place by the blood that his son shed. Glory to God. And you are standing in your authority, and you can remind him, glory to God. You said in your word that the stripes that Jesus bore paid for my sickness father I will walk in that healing I will have it in my life glory to God you can remind him of those promises and guys God will move in your life glory to God Amen. listen you want him moving in your life start pleading your case remind him of what he says remind him of what he says guys and that you and you that means you find a definite scripture that tells you what you need in your situation and there. The promises are throughout the word, yes? And you find that. and then you, and then you stand on that word. You stand on that promise. And then you just put God into remembrance of what he said. You remind him of the covenant that we have. And you remind him that you know I'm gonna, that he's going to move on your behalf. Glory to God. And because of my covenant rights, Father, I love you. You love me. This is going to work out good. You're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. We're going to ride this thing out. And I'm coming out victorious, glory to God. Because he puts you back in the rightful place that you have. In your place of authority. He just wants you to operate in that authority, and let me tell you something: the promises of God, they're not just a blessing for us. They are a blessing for us. They 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 help us, but the promises of God are weapons to the enemy. Yeah. And weapons to, the enemy is trying to do anything he can to separate us from God's word, so that you won't understand these truths, so you won't apply them in your life, so that you can overcome him. But he knows that when you understand your authority and he knows when you wrap your mind around the promises in God's word and you knows without a doubt that when he knows that you understand that they're yours and you can have them and you can walk in them, glory to God, he trembles in his feet, in his shoes. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. All right, I'm going to stop right there. for the sake time. Glory. But listen, prayer is a big subject. We got a long way to go, but before we can get to the the nitty-gritty of how you do it on a day-by-day basis, you need a foundation. You need to understand what's happened. You need to understand what God did for us. You need to understand what Jesus did for us. You need to understand what God's doing, what God's not doing, right? Because that gives you a a position, uh, gives you a place of understanding your position in God, understanding who you are. And if you, if you question that, there's a book right back there on the table. It's called In Him. It's one of the greatest books you'll ever read. It, it, it's only about 20 pages long, and it's this big. You can read it in 10 minutes. But it'll remind you who you are in Christ. Yes. A lot of people struggle with it. We get hung up on where we've been and what we've done, and, and then we want to remind God, I know you're not going to listen to me because I'm a heathen. I've done this. I've done that. Stop. Yeah, stop. The Word says that He removes your transgressions, and He will not remember your sins. Yeah. If he doesn't remember them, don't remind him. Just repent, which means you ask for forgiveness and you turn from that sin and now you go forward. God has forgotten them. Why do you want to keep reminding him, right? He doesn't know that. And he said, I'm sure he's sitting up there going, you know what, I forgot all of that. I don't really know why you're telling me all this. Glory to God. We're supposed to be moving forward. And then you move forward and you go forth. Amen. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father.